Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, we got a real treat for you guys today. WEDU, the public broadcasting station here in Tampa, has created what is just a terrific documentary called Rise of the Rays, a Devil of a story and it's going to debut at 9 p.m. on opening day Thursday night of course this is the 25th anniversary of the Rays team which began playing in 1998 but a whole generation of people don't even realize the story behind how the Rays came to be I mean baseball's many flirtations with moving the team uh, to what is now Tropicana Field from all kinds of destinations, whether it was the Mariners, the Twins, the Giants, the A's, and most notably Chicago White Sox, had all planned at one time or another to move to St. Petersburg and basically used it as leverage to build new stadiums throughout Major League Baseball. And even when they turned to expansion, it wasn't Tampa Bay that got the first teams. So we're going to talk to Paul Grove, who is the president and CEO of WEDU, and Eric Davis, the director, producer, of this terrific documentary, you're going to hear about names like Frank Morsani and Rick Dodge and, and so many players that were involved uh, in getting the Rays uh, to Tampa Bay and Tampa St. Petersburg. Just a terrific film, and we'll have them here in just a minute on the podcast, so make sure you uh, stay for that. NFL owners meetings. Look, uh, this morning – Pretty early, probably around 10 or 11 o'clock our time, Todd Bowles is going to sit down with the media. We'll get his thoughts on a lot of things, some of which he, he talked to NFL Network about. We have a post up on Tempe Times and Tempe.com. More, more of his thoughts on Baker Mayfield, the history he has with him about losing Tom Brady, the expectations for this year. So we'll get into all of that uh, tomorrow. The big story in the NFL, of course, was Lamar Jackson. And this happened some time ago within the organization between Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens. But then it came out right as right as John Harbaugh was sitting down, the AFC coaches to talk to the media very, very early in the morning, Eastern time. And not coincidentally, Lamar posted that he had requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens that he felt like they were just going to not meet his value. And so, you know, it, it, it the fact that he has requested was not a surprise to the Ravens because this happened apparently earlier in the month. But the news that he had released it was a surprise to to uh, John Harbaugh, uh, who was faced with that as he sat down and didn't provide any kind of insight at all, of course. But uh, uh, but yeah, can you imagine? I mean, this is Steve. This has become the biggest story in the NFL offseason. I mean, I know we still have Aaron Rodgers who's out there, right? He's dangling between Green Bay and the Jets, and he wants to be a Jet, and I think he's going to be a Jet, and no one seems to be, especially Green Bay, in a particular hurry to make that happen. Um, but there's still – and the Jets, by the way, say Lamar Jackson is not in their future regardless of, of whether Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay or whatever. Um, but to have a quarterback of this talent – and you, you go back and you look at what he's accomplished in terms of – his passing percentage, his winning percentage, um, you know, so many, so many accomplishments 
yes, he's been injured, and that that is not a, a small story in this whole thing. The bigger thing is the guaranteed money. We talked about this on the podcast before. Um, I'm not sure where this, whether this ends in in divorce or reconciliation. I'm really not. Well, is it surprising to you that he has? Well, I shouldn't say he has not been given an offer by another team because we don't know. Obviously, he's not signed an offer sheet. That's correct. At that that point, know, that's how we would know. You're right. right. At that point, then the Ravens have what five days. Sure. I think to decide if they want to match it or mm-hmm. if not. Or then, receive two number one picks. Correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know in this league how hard it is to find a franchise quarterback. And that's that's the holy grail that's that the teams whole are game, looking for. Right? It, I mean, it pretty much is, yes. Yeah. Now, the one thing is if you go get Lamar, you probably have to change your offense for most teams. I mean, Baltimore yes. customized a whole offense and changed, you know, their schemes and, and how many tight ends they had and the type of players yep. they had. Which, no question. You know, look, if you think Lamar Jackson can win a Super Bowl, go do it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. who cares what your offense looks like? It's about winning championships. Mm-hmm. But, I, and, and look, there's going to be lawsuits at the end of this because the players' unions are already <laughs> talking about lawyers. collusion. I mean, they're already talking <laughs> about collusion among owners. Whether there yeah, is or no, not. that never happened. That has never happened in this league. No, no, no. Of course not. Except always. But we know that Jimmy Haslam upset NFL owners by giving yeah, Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah, he did. We know that most owners were very much against that. They don't have mm-hmm. to collude not to give Lamar Jackson a guaranteed contract. If that's already the way they think. Yeah. You know, the, I, I think they like for that to be a one-off, but in its yeah. in its you know without speaking and sending you know emails to each other, I think that is a form of collusion that we are never guaranteeing a contract that's over two hundred million dollars or or a whole contract mm-hmm. that's four or five years or whatever uh, the situation is. Now, he, here's the thing about that is, you know, it, th- there are other things that have to happen when you guarantee that much money one you got to put all that cash we've talked about this into escrow how many owners want to dip into that and tie mm-hmm. up their those kind that kind of liquidity and quite frankly even these billionaires don't have just you know can write a check for tomorrow it takes a little bit of time mm-hmm. so so there's that um but i you know i this is going to if this drags on even if he comes back Right. Let's say we go because there's going to be a time where there's going to be a deadline for him to sign that franchise tag. Okay. Or it's going to be too late. But that doesn't happen for some time, like late May, somewhere in there. Um, And by that time, if he, and and I've talked to Todd Munkin about this, you know, they hired a new offensive coordinator and a good one from the University of Georgia that won national championships and scored a ton of points. And Lamar Jackson can benefit from that. I think I think that Todd Munkin is the perfect choice uh, for them, and he mm-hmm. chose Baltimore in no small part. In fact, the very reason over a place like Tampa Bay is that they had a Lamar Jackson. I don't think he leaves Georgia if, if he's not going to a place with a Lamar Jackson type player. And if Lamar Jackson doesn't get into camp before we get to camp, like July camp, August camp, Munkin has said, "Look, I can't." do anything different. The offense will be the offense. There's there's really nothing I can install in those few weeks of, of preseason and training camp 
that's going to make a big difference. Like we, they would need him in the building for OTAs. They would need him in the building, you know, for, for all those, you know, the start of the off season workout program, which is going to be somewhere around April 17th. Um, and you know, it's, he's going to get to the point where he's, even if he comes back to the Ravens, it's going to hurt him and his football team. And that's, that's the sad part about this is that no one's going to win if it, if it carries on, if it drags on. And now when you start talking about how I, I want to be traded, that starts to, now that, now you start to erode your fan base. Not that you give a damn about the fans. Cause you know, if he starts winning again, they'll, they'll wear their number eight jerseys and all that again. But still, We've seen, like, even in Green Bay, and it's kind of funny to me, like, people have completely turned on Aaron Rodgers. Like, good good riddance. Get him out of here. We're ready for the next guy. And it's like, eh, you might not want to push too hard, man. Like, you're going to miss you're gonna miss number 12 and what he did for you, you know? You think New England didn't miss Brady? I mean, they were saying some stuff up there, like, nah, we're good with Mac, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, new isn't always better, particularly right away. Um, and somehow they got to find a way to make this work. I mean, they just, they have to, because I don't think even if a team came to the point where they were going to give up two number ones, you're right. They don't want to be doing what the Cleveland Browns did and guaranteeing. Cause here's the thing. What about when Josh Allen or let's see who would be next? Uh, Patrick Joe, Mahomes Joe new deal, Joe Burrow. There you go. Joe Burrow's new deal comes up or the guy in with the chargers. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a bunch of young quarterbacks, and if they say, "I want guaranteed money," now every quarterback who has come up for renegotiation and an extension, he's going to demand it. And now, now we have a different league, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now you have a different league, and I think what'll happen is these quarterbacks now they get about two, maybe three years of your first round pick. Okay, maybe they go to four, and in Jameis's case, they picked up the fifth year option. You won't be seeing that. They'll they'll be letting these guys go right away because they're not going to run some guy out, build him up, and then you know. Now, if you're winning, you're winning, but um, it'll be a different it'll be a different NFL if you start guaranteeing quarterbacks money and and especially guys that are mobile that could get hurt like Lamar Jackson. It's a tough thing to do. But, you know, I, I I think I've told this story, Steve, or at least maybe I was telling my wife the other day. It's kind of like talking to you. Um, is when I started the covering this beat back in a hundred years ago. Phil Kruger was the GM, and he was only the GM for one year, and I could do a show on him. He was a character, the late Phil Kruger. People will know that name. And he worked for Culver House, and he kind of kept track of his money and things like that. And nonetheless, the, the Bucks had signed somebody to a contract um, extension of some kind. And this is pre-free agency. All they have is maybe Plan B free agency, that sort of thing. Um, there was an unlimited free agency. It was really in the early days of all of that. And so they signed him a contract. And somehow, being naive as I was, because I followed baseball and was trying to transition to football, and I'd been covering colleges, one of the first stories I wrote was about this contract signing. And I slipped in there. Uh, it was a blank year, blankety-blank million-dollar guaranteed contract. And I got a phone call in about, I don't know, 10 seconds after it probably hit the guy's driveway. This is pre-internet. Uh, and he goes, yeah, I just, uh, wanted to tell you that we don't, uh, ever guarantee contracts. He was laughing like loudly. I go, what? He goes, yeah, not in the NFL. And I thought, wow, how you're not in the NFL. Like 
you would think that'd be the the place where if I was a player, what I need my money guaranteed because I'm gonna go out there and get splattered. He's like, well, and and the fact of the matter is that's not a good business model <laughs> because if you start guaranteeing every player his entire contract, well, guess what? You're gonna spend a whole lot of money, uh, and you're gonna run out of it before long. You know, when it when it comes to trying to field a football team, but quarterbacks. I could see I could see us moving to that one day, but they don't want to do it. They're not going to do it. I don't think any other team is going to do it. Now, which team right now, the way it's currently consisted, let's ask this trivia question, or what your opinion actually, it's not trivia, but your opinion, which team would you encourage if you ran it to say, I'm giving up the picks, I'm guaranteeing the money, I'm going for them right now? Who would, who would that team be right now based on where the draft is and everything else? Hmm. For you. I mean, I, I'd want to be a team that's ready to win. Mm-hmm. Because you can't be relying on first round draft picks to help you win now. No. You gotta have some you gotta have some abilities around around mm-hmm. him, but but he's gonna be the biggest piece. So I mean, obviously a team that doesn't have an established quarterback or isn't planning on drafting one in the first three picks, right? Yeah, I mean the first one that comes to mind is the Jets. Although they're going after right. Aaron Rodgers. It, it, but they, they're going after Rodgers. So for yeah. the purpose of this argument, we'll eliminate them. The one I thought about was the Colts. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're out of the kind of the mix for the top three, maybe four quarterbacks in the draft. They're too deep for that. But they didn't do anything really to address the position. What does it get? Like Gardner Minshew or something like that? Is he going there? Um, they, they, you know, and that that's an owner now who has said many times over that he would do anything to win. Mm-hmm. And and he kind of is crazy enough to do just that. He, he's he been spoiled throughout his ownership of that franchise. Um, Jim Irsay has been at least. And, you know, with Peyton Manning um, going to, what, Andrew Luck, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, who gets who gets that break, right? And so now over the last few years, it's just been sort of a retread, fill-in, retread, fill-in type deal. Um, and they're looking, they're looking for stability at that position. Well, you know, here, here comes Lamar Jackson. Like I could see that. Um, I thought that the perfect place for him was probably Atlanta, you know, um, mostly a running, uh, head coach likes to run the football Mm -hmm. a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, from Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's another one I thought of. Tennessee's a good one. Yeah. Tennessee's a good one. You want to upgrade Tannehill. Yeah, I mean Tannehill, they've been they've been you know kind of wanting to upgrade and move on from him, but just haven't found the solution or the draft picks and you know the young kid they have now and and Willis doesn't look like he's going to get it done. So yeah, I think Tennessee would be a good fit, but I I just don't sense that any team is is really going to jump out there and um and and guarantee him what he wants. And we talked about not having an agent and all that stuff, but wouldn't it be um, ironic if Indianapolis raided Baltimore again? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe they can back the Mayflower up and <laughs> put a sheet over his head and drag him. I mean, you know, I mean, what they stole the franchise. They're going to steal the quarterback now, too. Um, they just have to roll out the dollars and the two draft picks, and I think he'd be theirs. You know, like that's that's the bottom line. I mean, he, he says he wants traded. So, you know, the other one that could work, it would be uh, Baltimore would hate it, but what about Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, Look, that's a I division rival. Like, that would be that would be a slap in the face. But yeah, well, first of all, that's where Baltimore gets the right of first refusal, and that would probably be a no. Although if the contract was so, well, you know, I mean, yeah, you have to make it a contract. They they're not willing it, but, to match, but right, and that's that's the secret to all that. Although I think Pittsburgh likes their young quarterback. I mean, yeah, no, I, I but but you know, if you think Lamar Jackson can win a Super Bowl, do you believe Kenny Pickett can win a Super Bowl? I don't know if they know. I don't know if they they know yet. I think they, they like may them. not. They may not. But I think Iron Mike thinks he can win with anybody. You know, um, mm-hmm. we're going to run the ball. Um, we're going to play Steelers football. But he, but without Ben, Big Ben, what have mm-hmm. they won? Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Ben probably stayed at the party a year or two too long. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's the look. You either have one or you don't. That's that's the NFL. It's the haves and the have-nots. And, you know, the Bucks are sitting here with Baker Mayfield, and they're hoping that, you know, he still has pedigree and he's had some production and he had one good year in Cleveland and really bad organization and four teams since last July. Maybe with the right talent around him, they can thread the needle, continue to add while they subtract payroll and get rid of some veterans. Like, there's a lot of things that have to go right for Baker Mayfield, or really for any quarterback, Kyle Trask or anybody, to really succeed here next year. But it's not impossible. We saw Geno Smith do it, um, and and that's the model with Dave Canales. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think Bowles will have more to say. In fact, I know he will. It was interesting. And, again, you can go on TampaBay.com and Tampa Bay Times and read about some of his comments. I think the one thing we may have miscalculated a little bit not real. I mean, they. He was on the list a year ago. You know, when before Brady came back, there wasn't a lot of quarterbacks that the Bucks would have been comfortable with, but Mayfield was definitely high on that list. And and one of the reasons is that uh, Bowles of him kind of struck it off well when when Bowles was with the Jets and he was coming out and and they were, you know, looking for a quarterback and and they spent some time together in Oklahoma and he really he, he really liked his competitiveness and that's Bowles is all about. You know, what's your fire? Um, how bad do you want? How hard will you play? Do you do the right things, you know, to prepare? Uh, he's big on preparation. And, and Baker, you know, does all that stuff. And so he really took a liking to him. And then in his first game, um, Baker came off the bench and beat the Jets. <laughs> so that stuck with him too. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, you know, Bulls, Bulls had some – threw some flowers, gave uh, Mayfield his flowers, and, and uh, while, while mentioning that Kyle Trask is still in this thing too. But we'll see how long that lasts. All right, we're going to get to this uh, terrific documentary here in just a second. But first, I want to remind you guys how to save money on an electric bill. It's very simple. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-known business. They've been installing – and operating these solar electric systems now for 13 years. There's a lot of these companies. Be careful out there. But May Electric Solar, I'm telling you, they're committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. That's how much they believe in their product and their work. And plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. They call that the May difference. If you visit their Hutchins showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know who's doing the job. Those are Billy Mays guys up there taking care of you. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727 819 
All right, this is a treat because a, a lot of my life has been spent following this story, and, and these two guys have made it come to life in a documentary called Rise of the Rays, A Devil of a Story. It debuts Thursday at 9 p.m. on WEDU, uh, and we're joined by uh, Paul Grove, the president and CEO, and the producer, of course, Eric Davis, of this piece. First of all, guys, congratulations on, on uh, this documentary. As I mentioned, you condensed a lot of information and a lot of history uh, into a, to a, this film, uh, and it's very well done. And I was impressed by uh, just all the people that you managed to talk to and get their 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 insights. Twenty five years of raised baseball, and I'm guessing uh, for you, Paul. I mean, uh, we talked about this. There's there's a generation of people that are unaware of this story totally of how the Rays came to be in Tampa. Yeah, 30 years, uh, and no one's actually told this story until now. And really, that's what a PBS station is supposed to do. It's supposed to archive and document our history. Uh, but for WEDU, we're trying to expand the demographic, Rick. And what better demographic than the sports demographic to watch PBS for the first time, hopefully. Maybe they love Nova, Nature, those kind of programs. but this is a great way to really bring in that next generation and make sure that they didn't forget this, this story that was just so confounding back in the day. Right. Oh, it really was when we lived it. And, and I know Eric, you talked to a lot of people that were involved um, and we'll get into some of the the main players, including Rick Dodge, the, the uh, late uh, assistant uh, city manager in St. Petersburg. Um, but what struck you, Eric, about, just how Tampa Bay and specifically St. Petersburg, when they decided to go forward with building what, which what is now Tropicana field, um, how leveraged they were to build ballparks all around major league baseball and how that eventually led to them getting an expansion team. Well, I, I think it's kind of a one of a kind story for Tampa and St. Petersburg in that um, there was a real belief, I think, within the, the people around sports and baseball who are interested in that, that this place deserved uh, a Major League Baseball team. And it's because of spring training and the history and all that sort of thing. And baseball didn't believe that. And they just were able to string them along and, and use them for a long time. And I think the thing that struck me then was how many times someone from Tampa or from St. Petersburg or from Tampa Bay eventually kept coming back to say, will you let me into this club that no one wants to let me into, please? Yeah, uh, there's something about, you know, having grown up in Brandon, there's something about the the uh, personality of a place and your own self perception of it that's really built into this story, I think. Truly was. And, and uh, you know, I I remember the various false starts and, and there was a number of teams, to say the very least. I mean, we're talking about the Twins and the Mariners, um, the Giants. My sister lived in San Francisco. I remember that. The closest they really got, and I and I thought it was going to happen. In fact, I went up there one weekend and covered a series, and I think the White Sox players and coaches thought it was going to happen, and many members of the organization. And, and that was, um, it didn't look like the state of Illinois was going to build a new Comiskey Park. I mean, that just did not seem to be in the offing for them uh, from a le- legislative standpoint. And I will never forget, um, it came to um, a big night. Uh, politically and and Jim Thompson, if I'm not mistaken, um, this would have been June 30th, 1988, and you guys document it well. But um, he literally 
turns back the clock during a session to give himself more time to get the votes he needs uh, to get the funding for this stadium. It was incredible. Yeah, and that was at a time before, I mean, all the local TV stations had to buy a satellite uplink to put that on. That was an expensive thing to show to everyone in Tampa and maybe five people in Chicago who might have been watching it at midnight. (laughs) There was a real excitement about, oh, my gosh, we're getting the White Sox. And then there was a lot of confusion right at midnight um, uh, when that occurred. And so uh, it was a fun, fun to relate that that story um and in a way that um reminds me of like the old tv show 24 we have a ticking clock in our in our little documentary here so yeah paul you were gonna say i was just gonna say that's chicago politics um one of my good friends when i worked at channel 10 back in the day dave worth was from chicago and he said yeah that's the way they work and they pulled the plug and eric's done such an incredible job this could have been a really boring boring story uh because there's so many different machinations when it comes to business and politics etc but the way eric has weaved everything together with the music and the and the storytelling and making sure that the pace really moves it's an hour that goes by just like that so great job by eric and everybody yeah, and I, I thought it was interesting, too. And, of course, so many of these guys are my colleagues. Uh, some of them, are, believe it or not, are a little bit older than me, but not that much. Some of them are retired. Um, but so many guys in the news media that covered this, including my colleague Mark Tompkin, um, you guys did great, insightful interviews. And they all had sort of different perspectives about what was going on around them as they were reporting this. Yeah, and I think Mark Topkin and Joe Henderson in particular had a great time recalling all of these events because those were the two that would sit in the lobby of a hotel all day waiting for something to happen. They knew and recalled all, you know, the vivid details, um, uh, which was great. And, uh, you know, Bob Andelman has a a book, Stadium for Rent, that he wrote, and that was a great source for so much detail uh, and the richness of of how this worked. Uh, It's incredible the machinations that people will go through. To yeah. get one up over on somebody. <laughs> well, they were all—they're all competing for stories, and you're right. You—you you spend a lot of time what we would call this—the great stakeout um, that would occur, despite the the failure uh, of to to get the White Sox and all the Chicago politics that happened, Paul, that you talked about. Um, that and other failed attempts, but particularly that one. I think I think it was impressed upon Reinsdorf, and he said he told Rick Dodge at the time that look you you're just you could just be used here like we we may not they may build us a stadium and you guys once again are left you know at the altar and we're the runaway bride type thing but i'll tell you what uh we'll fight you know he got an ally in Reinsdorf that if the expansion came to the american league he was going to be a big ally of of tampa st petersburg and and that became so that that became important uh with the white Sox yeah, that was- relationship He was true to his word, Rick. Um, One of the things that really made this documentary come up in my idea as worthy was Rick Dodge was this very humble guy. And when I returned to Tampa in 2019, we went to dinner and he shared something with me that I don't think he shared with that many people because he was so humble. He said Jerry Reinsdorf came to him when the American League expansion team was awarded to us. And he said, this one's for you, pal. That's the kind of relationship that Rick Dodge had with almost everybody. I know he was a great friend of mine. 
And when he passed away in 2020, Rick, it was really devastating because he had just done a number of things here at WDU-PBS, all gratis. And he was somebody you wanted to take care of. He was somebody, you know, when when he told you that story, you're like, you know, they should really erect a statue for you because you were so instrumental in making this baseball team possible from the beginning. And um, that was one of the reasons why we did it. We also did a great uh, digital tribute to Rick Dodge. It's on WDU.org, a little 10-minute Rick Dodge tribute. And they had the Rick Dodge day at the, at the drop after he passed away. His brother actually got to throw out the first pitch. That's terrific. Yeah, in fact, and Reinsdorf is, says it just like that, that, that this one's for you. And I had never heard that story. And there, that's like I said, there are things in here as well as we covered it. I was unaware of and Rick for, you know, you look at his role uh, or his title, I should say, assistant city manager. And you're thinking, wait a minute, what guy at that level of government is, it has, is pulling that many levers and, and has that much influence, but that's who he was like, and he wasn't out front, didn't want to be out front, but boy, politically, could he work it? And I know he was a great source for the news media for us and keeping people, you know, kind of apprised of what was going on, but Without his lack of fatigue, um, this probably doesn't happen. Yeah, the no, he's the one. Con- he's a consistent character, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he's there before there's a stadium built. He's there when um, the White Sox. He's really important in that. When Frank Morsani decides to join forces, Tampa and St. Pete, Morsani trusts him. Then Vince Namoli trusts him, and so he's the one consistent thread through this whole modern uh, story. Because he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was talking about. And people trusted him. I yeah, thought it was interesting. And Jerry Reinsdorf's the kind of guy that he's a serious businessman and would only work with somebody that's serious and not just, and he says it in the documentary, not just somebody that's going to, you know, be all flash. Yeah, no, that was, that was a great insight again. So, the day happens, right? The day that everybody waited so many years for. And the, and you forget the TROP had been built and had other events for some eight to 10 years, right? Wasn't it like almost 10 years before they threw a first pitch in that building that uh, that actually counted in, in 1998? Um, so Vince Namoli uh, is awarded this ownership of this expansion franchise and he's got to go about the process of naming the team and major league baseball wanted a unique name they didn't want to borrow from another league uh which is tough because there's you know there's a lot of sports leagues out there i'll tell you a personal story and i told this to mark because i sat next to mark in the office at, at the times back when we went to the office a lot um and i had been to maui one summer and it was before the rays were going to name themselves and I walked into a crazy shirts that they have everywhere over there. And I, I saw a baseball cap and I thought it was a really cool logo. And it was the Maui Stingrays. And I thought, man, that is the coolest logo. Wouldn't it be cool if like the Rays? And so I had the hat and I brought it. I even showed it to Tompkins. Little did I know um, that they were trying to name the team the Stingrays. But for this Hawaiian baseball league team said, okay, sure, $100,000. And for $100,000, I think Vince Namoli could have bought himself a lot less trouble if he had just paid that money, right? You know, the, the sad kicker on that was that the uh, Stingrays folded like two years later. 
They don't Amazing. exist anymore. So it's still, I guess it's available now. We could always change the name. <laughs> and it's a great yeah. name. I mean, especially for our generation, the Stingray Corvette. Uh, they yeah. had the font there and everything that they could have had on there. It's incredible that Vince didn't understand that he probably could have made that money and more in probably a week in sales for Stingrays versus all the controversy. I remember, right. they, didn't they have a contest, Rick? Uh, Manta Rays versus yeah. Double Rays? To re, yeah, yeah, exactly. They wanted to rename them or, or pick a better name than Devil Rays. And of course, that brought on all kinds of religious connotations and things that um, that that he didn't anticipate or particularly care for i suppose um but they were they were the devil rays and they they in fact uh got the team um and and one of the best rebrandings i mean it, that i've ever seen is is when they changed the name of course they didn't know they were going to the world series the same year but um when you look at them now as just the rays and the color change and everything like that uh again a generation of people may not remember um, all those stories that you guys lay out so well. It's interesting because we've got a digital story about the stingrays and how it all happened. And um, Peter Golenbach, the author, says it was very Nimoli-ish of him to say, no, I'm gonna not going to spend that $100,000. But I, I love the idea of what the origin uh, and how the origins become. And that's what this whole story is. And we've already had comments, by the way, from uh, fan pages saying, why did you put devil in there on the, uh, cause it's a devil of a story, but mm -hmm. that was the uh, team's name from the beginning. So there's, there's some really interesting things. I was sitting with Frank and Carol Morsani cause I wanted them to watch this full hour. So I drove up to Brooksville and sat with them in their home and watched wow. a full documentary. And I can't tell you how many times they looked at each other and just kind of laughed and said, yeah, right. They're going to give us a team. Yeah, right. We'll get an expansion team. And especially when Frank says uh, in the documentary, he says, my wife kept telling me, get out of this damn baseball thing, will you? And he said, well, and he was so selfless. And those two people, Rick Dodge and Frank Morsani, those were the unsung heroes and yeah. what incredible people they were and are. Yeah, I mean, they, they simply would not stop. And um, when when so many people said no, um, they kept plowing along. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was quite an era. And 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 again, I think you guys did a remarkable job um, sort of detailing the story and compressing it into an hour. And, and you mentioned that there, there, uh, this is going to not just air at nine o'clock on Thursday, but there will be re-airings as well. Correct. And some streaming opportunities, right? Yeah, we're going to have it on all of our digital platforms. We have a PBS app. It's all free. WDU PBS. If you go to your app store and put in PBS video, you'll get it. Um, it'll be on that. Um, but I'll, I'll also say this, one of the things, and, and this is detailed, and it says brilliantly by Eric and his team at the end of the epitaph, it says, Frank's never been to a Tampa Bay Rays baseball game in his life. Well, we've invited him to come uh, for not opening day, but we were planning to do it on Sunday for the last leg of the, the Detroit Tigers series. Uh, we're hoping he'll show up, but there's still some real raw nerves there. They were really hurt 
And the good story that I want to share is uh, Rick Dodge gave them a dog and they named it Dodger after Rick Dodge. So Rick and Frank really were still, and Carol, we're all still friends to this day, even though Frank and Carol have not been to a, a baseball game. And, and I mean, look, and there's still a debate and we've seen, we've seen the struggling in attendance and there are people that have never liked the building and um, many still believe maybe including the Rays, they have said it, that they think that the the stadium would be better served in, in Hillsborough County. Um, but uh, St. Pete took a huge gamble and, and, you know, it paid off, but not in, not in the way or the manner in which they probably anticipated, um, you know, but you can't really say that Frank was wrong or St. Pete was wrong. I mean, they both had their own viewpoints. It, it, it was weird because, and, and I think you guys captured it. Like it was a different time where Tampa and St. Petersburg felt like not one area. It felt like two rival cities for some reason. It really did. And I thought uh, when we started out, that was the, we made a story that has baseball in it, but it's yeah. not a baseball story, right? It's about right. a place. And I think that's one of the things that surprised a lot of people is that Tampa and St. Pete were at each other's throats on over a lot of uh, of issues. And Tampa seemed to win most of them. And this is a place yeah. where St. Petersburg decided we're not, we're going to go after this. And that went back to the spring training and the Cardinals and, and Jack mm-hmm. Lake and all the promoters and the people that, that they knew thinking, you know, we could, we could be something here. So. Um, and I think, you know, Paul talked about Frank Morsani. One of the tricks in, in telling the story, I think, was that this far away from it, we can be amused at the frustration that people have, right? It becomes this uh, story that we can have some, some fun with, except for Frank Morsani. He's the one person who this has not ever been amusing for because he's the one person who actually lost something out of this. Yeah, no, he truly did. And and uh, he was, like I said, at the, the, the point of the spear for so long and trying to pursue major league baseball for the whole area. And you can't write the story without him um, because in many ways it, it began, you know, again with, with him and Rick and um, two opposite sides of the Bay with the same goal. But at the end of the day, they got the raise and then look at what they are now. I mean, it, it's, you know, you kind of learn the, I think history and you guys deal with history in other areas. This is a sports franchise history. It's a geopolitical type thing, but like, you learn a lot when you look backwards as to what it what you become in the future, right? Um, through all of that change of ownership, a lot of different things transpired, but this franchise still to this day does things that are unconventional and um, and usually get accepted down the road. You know, where you get a different yeah. perspective as time goes by. And I was going to say the irony, and Eric does a great job with this, is, okay, we were trying to go out and relocate the White Sox and the Giants and the Mariners. And now look here right now. We have a shelf life on this documentary for about another three years, right? Uh, Every time there's another story that's going to come up about the Rays relocating, is it going yeah. to be Nashville? Is it where? Where will they be next? We hope it's going to be here, and we think it's going to be here in the Bay Area. But I mm. and I don't I don't know, Eric. Should I give away the very punchline at the end? When no, it comes no, to no. You're you're doing great, Paul. But but let's not talk too much. I mean, we have one ending we can share. So I hope people will watch and enjoy how how we did that. But um, you know, history repeats, and I think we we did try to make the case that um, you know, the Giants had moved before they were going to move to St. Pete and the Mariners had already moved and gone away before they were going to move to Tampa. And 
you know, Milwaukee has a team and they were in the way of us getting a team, but they had stolen one from, from somewhere. Baseball is rife with everyone has moved somewhere. Um, but everyone thinks it's the first time when it's their own, you know, own community and they have their own, you know, version of the story, but no one has seven failed attempts and 20 years of Holy cow. Cause it's not like, Oh, we were trying to get one. Oh, maybe we'll get them. There were some of those that like the white Sox, like the Mariners, like the giants, it was a done deal. The, they were on their way. They were printing the shirts, but they're not here. Right. So yeah. that is definitely, you know, unique to Tampa Bay. Yeah, it really was. And I, again, I can remember talking to Ozzie Guillen and so many players, Jim Fergosi, like different guys that that were certain that that the White Sox were uh, were packing up. And beyond that, like when we talked to Tony Larusa, who grew up here, um, or you talked to a number of these folks, it seemed easy. Well, of course, there should be Major League Baseball here. No one thought it should be complicated at any step, <laughs> even back in the '60s when the folks in St. Pete were talking to the Cardinals about, hey. How do we get a baseball team here? Yeah, this ought to be a natural, you know, place for it. So everyone mm-hmm. was surprised how hard it, it got. Another and after one all that, unsung, go ahead. I was just going to say another one of those unsung heroes was Jack Critchfield. Yes. And even though he was in the center of it all, one of the great bites that he has in the documentary is, well, it's a perfect place for, a, you know, this is after Frank had failed multiple times. Uh, he says, shouldn't be that hard. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what a, what a bite. It shouldn't be that hard to get a baseball team here. But Eric's right. The Giants, that was a done deal. Major League Baseball had said yes and agreed to it. And really, Jack Critchfield came to the same conclusion Frank did. Honorable people weren't involved. Yeah. And really, Frank Morsani was the honorable one. Rick Dodge was the honorable one. And that really doesn't fit in the MLB owners, does it? <laughs> No, it doesn't always fit in that for sure. Um, but uh, the result is that we did get the the area did get the raise, and 25 years later, it's their 25th anniversary. So it's the perfect time to talk about this story. Um, I look forward to to watching it 9 p.m. on Thursday and be rebroadcast after that on WEDU. Um, fantastic work, guys! I, I, it, it for me, of course, having grown up here, uh, I'm a native. Uh, from St. Petersburg. My dad played for the St. Pete Saints, for goodness sakes. Um, you know, so the the baseball history, you mentioned spring training. There was no place more steeped in in baseball history, but they would always take their ball and glove and head head north in the spring after the spring. And it was always disappointing that way. So um, but terrific work, and we look forward to uh to seeing it Thursday night. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks appreciate Sean. it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. That was really cool. I, I hope everybody watches this documentary. I'm telling you, I have seen a, a, a good bit of it, most of it actually, and it is it is terrific. We're going to talk, as a matter of fact, to Mark Tompkin of the Tampa Bay Times, who is in this documentary, as we mentioned just a minute ago, and we'll get you ready for opening day Rays against the Tigers from Tropicana Field. Was it the 17th straight sellout, not including the 
That's correct. 17 straight sellouts minus the 2020 COVID year where they had no fans in the stands. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be yeah. rocking. And, and big and, games. And then, James Shields going to throw out the first pitch and uh, honorarily retire as a Ray. I love that. I love that. So big game, James, um, who really. And I think he got credit at the time and probably more so looking back on it. But when you think about the guys that came behind him, you know, the David prices and then eventually that was passed down to Blake Snell and stuff. I mean, big game James became complete game James when they used to throw those and it mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the guy that could do it and not overpowering, moved the ball around, had a lot of, of, of uh, you know, hard sliders and fastballs and sinkers and things like that. Um, but was an ace for them for a long time, even even after Price got here. Um, but he set the tone, and it was about the way he worked between starts, the way he prepared himself, just a consummate pro. Um, and, of course, we remember, you know, that 2008 season, how great all those guys were um, going to the World Series. Um, so, yeah, that's that's going to be cool. You mentioned uh, Wander Franco. He's, as you said, declared himself ready to play for opening day. I mm-hmm. guess the quad is okay. That's good news mm-hmm. for the Rays. And yep. then the Lightning at Carolina. Steve, I don't know that they need to play anymore because it seems like win or lose, and lately it's been lose, they're just eliminating games of the magic number anyway. Magic number now down to six to clinch a playoff spot with eight games remaining as the Panthers on Monday night lost to the Senators. So Yeah, so getting lots of help if they could just do a little bit of their own yep. work. Uh, Go three and five in your home. last eight games, and you've clinched a spot no matter what anyone behind you does. Yeah, I mean, it would be great just to win the next three if you're them and give Vassy some time. You know what I mean? You start be able to rest some starters, take some mm-hmm. guys out, and give them their legs back and things. Anybody's got nicked up. and Because um, that's what you can have right now is an injury late late before the, uh, the postseason. But... Um, yeah, so Lightning at Carolina try to snap that losing streak that they're on currently. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it as always. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.